In this episode, we're going to take a look at how when we access and gain some open source information, we start to create a list, a diagram, whatever we're doing, how to cross-reference that a little better, things to look at, and how we're comparing them as presumptions versus assumptions as we chase information down in order to find out the targeted information. I'm doing this based on one of the submissions for the open source challenge, which I will also cover who won, who they are, how many they are, why they won, and why other people did not, just for those that are interested in it. So using that challenge, we're going to take a look at information that was submitted and what we could do better in the future and information that may help you when you look online for your own open source stuff that you don't realize is out there. That's what we're going to talk about right here on Gray Man, Hiding in Plain Sight. The time has come. Who won all the goodies? Well, I'm going to tell you that. To start with, I want to point something out. One of the submissions came from a listener that's a longtime listener who has sent us many questions before, who I'm not going to identify by name. He knows who he is. We just know him by the one name of Fairbane. And then we have Brad on MeWe who reached out. Now, I want to remind you all that I started this three months ago. I dropped hints many times. Some were not that well known, but most of them were when I gave out lists of information randomly in certain podcasts. Sometimes I mentioned in the notes that that's what we're talking about, but information has been out there. And I also mentioned you can go look at any historical information you can find on any social media I advertise or any old YouTube videos, which somebody did. Now, one thing that was interesting, Fairfield pointed out to me that I didn't even think about. He said, I didn't do the last challenge. That's the one I did last year on body language. So I didn't do it because I thought there would be plenty of people ahead of me. If I had to guess, that's what a lot of people did with this one. Personally, I had a lot of fun, and I hope it's not the last. It won't be the last, and I'm glad you had fun. But I didn't consider the fact that some people, by the time they heard about this, might have thought it was too hard, which for some people it very well may be, or might have thought too many people were ahead of them, which is why, if you recall, I don't remember which episode, but one of them I mentioned, it's entirely likely that people are concerned about submitting this for different reasons and somebody may just send me a message saying they enjoy the show here's the email in the show notes and i'm just submitting this as an entry because i don't have time to do it in case not enough people do well brad on me we did that he sent me that message and told me he has been in the process of moving getting a new job getting the family squared away and he did it just in case enough people didn't send submissions He's one of the winners because only one person made a real submission with tons of information. So it's just to let you know that if you were out there considering it, you could have done it. But the next one's going to be a lot easier. It's going to require very minimal effort, maybe a dose of courage. Now, while you, of course, could do this any way you want, I'm going to walk you through some of the stuff that was submitted by Fairfield, how he did it, just to show you I don't care how you do it. You could have done it any way you wanted to, and he sent me a lot of photos and information. One of which was just a simple set of notes he wrote on a couple of pages titled The Gray Man Challenge, where he wrote down what the investigation was for. And he wrote goals are to find any intel, name, email, et cetera, on the individual shammer, which he put down different small notes he made on the challenge, aliases, social media locations. He made a simple sketch where he drew out some military stuff I'd mentioned, some things I'd use like cigarettes or alcohol and old YouTube shows. And then some information he already had followed by a shot of a whiteboard where he was making lists of things and starting to do what we'd call a link diagram followed by his final submission was a written document with information he wanted to submit and then some justifications for some of it which he did quite well on 
Now, overall accuracy of the information he provided was probably in the neighborhood of 30%, which would be good in the Intel world, maybe a little less. There are some areas that I'm going to provide help with you on when you're looking at your own information. If you want to try this for fun and you showed up late and the contest is over, in which case you can always submit it to me just to see how well you did and I will critique it, but you won't be eligible for any type of rewards or prizes. But this might help you with some of the information. And it's going to talk about things that we've discussed in the past, like assumptions versus presumptions versus things we want to look for and why and how to recategorize information. I think that's going to help you with any of the awesome store stuff. And also, even if you don't do this type of research, it can help you plan out conversations in your head because I talk a lot about conversations and asking questions, responding to questions, how we build rapport. These are also things you can think about in your head with the information you gain at the time if you don't have notes or if you're planning a conversation in the future. So I'm going to go over some of his information. One of the things here we put was the locations, current location. He put out Arizona, southeast region. I've mentioned many times I'm in southeast Arizona. And then he chose to put in Pinell County, which is a county located between Tucson and um, the Phoenix area because Tucson is Pima. Phoenix is Maricopa County. And then he put in there Pinnell Air Park, longest airstrip in Arizona. And he also put Oracle, which is one of the towns home to the Titan II bunker. I'm not sure why he picked Oracle. So as far as the airport park goes, Pinnell Airport is um, just past Tucson. And it's a place that has a lot of military aircraft, rotary wing and fixed wing. Some of it's stationed there. Most of it's taken for maintenance as well as training. It's not the longest airstrip in Arizona. In fact, it's probably, I don't know the exact numbers, but it's maybe a third or a half the size of the longest um, airstrip in Arizona. If you find that airstrip, then you know a closer region to one of the possible towns I may live in. But it definitely, it's definitely not close to the, to the longest airstrip. I think the longest airstrip is twelve or 13,000 feet. And I think the longest they have is 4,000 or maybe 6,000. One of the other entries you put in there is about past, he called it past relevant, and he listed off states and also Chilliwack and British Columbia. One of the things about this, and then looking at his drawing on the board, it suggests to me he was taking these as places I had lived. I didn't say that. I just said, I believe what I said was something along the lines, I'm going to give you a list of things that may help you, which is what I absolutely did do. But it would be an assumption that I lived in all those places because I have not lived in all those places. Now, why I have lived in many of those places or been stationed there some of them are places I visited for military training or military exercises or military conferences. Not that that's necessarily meant to throw you off, but there's always possibilities you could have figured some of that out. Also, some of them are places I've had family members live in the past. I didn't put down just every place I've driven through. As far as the foreign countries, I knew those wouldn't help you, but those are countries that I have visited for different reasons. It's not all of them, but there are reasons I've been to all these places. One of the things I want to point out to you is while that appears to be an assumption to me, presumption is a logical conclusion. Like there's logical reasons why we come to this conclusion. And then we, of course, want to determine after you make a presumption, you want to take the steps to determine if it is a fact, unless you think that presumption meets the requirements of a fact. What I mean by that is one of the things he wrote on his chart when he listed them, when he put military relations as in places he's either figured out or I had mentioned being a part of. One of them was 10th Special Forces Group, where I'd worked with a team from 10th Special Forces Group in Iraq. 
whether I mentioned that on the podcast or not, I've mentioned it in the past in the YouTube, and I can tell you he watched a lot of my YouTube videos because he mentions them in some of his notes. 10 Special Forces Group is stationed, their headquarters and main element is stationed in Fort Carson, Colorado, which is in Colorado Springs. And he mentioned that and made a presumption that I had probably lived in Colorado because I'd met the 10 Special Forces Group. That is a logical deduction. However, I was not assigned to their organization. I worked with them. While I have done training in Colorado Springs, it wasn't with them. So it's a logical presumption what he made. It just turns out that it wasn't correct, but that's not information that you had. Some of the other places he made connections to, whether I mentioned the military bases or not, just because there's army bases in those locations, like in Arizona, Fort Huachuca. I've mentioned that, and he listed the towns of Benson, Sierra Vista, and Tucson. Sierra Vista is the town outside of Fort Huachuca. Benson's about 25 miles away on the freeway. Tucson's about another 50 miles west. There's other small towns around there, like Sonoida and Huachuca City, Hereford, Alfreda, Bisbee, Tombstone. There's a lot of little towns around there. There's other ones he mentioned in there too, like in Virginia, he put in Fredericksburg. I don't know that I mentioned Fredericksburg on the podcast, but I have mentioned that in the past. There's a training center there for FBI and other agents. And then let's see, Tennessee, he picks Clarksville. So while I didn't actually live in Clarksville, I lived in Hopkinsville, which he did mention for Fort Campbell. So just for trivia, most of Fort Campbell sits on Tennessee and in Kentucky. Half the base is actually in Tennessee. The reason it's called Fort Campbell, Kentucky is because the post office on the base is located on the Kentucky side. If it was located on the Tennessee side, it would be Fort Campbell, Tennessee. I actually lived in Hopkinsville. One of the interesting things he pointed out, which I thought was really good, and I'll, I'll actually read this to you. He put in a picture on his actual notes of the 3rd Brigade flag for the 101st Airborne known as the Rockassons. And he mentioned a YouTube channel back in, or YouTube show I did in December of 2015, where I was wearing a sweatshirt with the Rockasan uh, 187 Infantry Division insignia printed on it. And he put in what Rockasan was, it means falling down umbrellas. It's a Japanese term because they didn't know what airborne troops were because they look like umbrellas. And put a little bit of the history. He said the sweatshirt then may be a tribute to his grandfather who may have served under them and was captured as a Japanese POW. However, I believe the shirt is from his own military service, which is correct. Because I was in the 101st Airborne when I was interrogating for the U.S. Army in Iraq. And I was a Rakasan at the time. So it did very well on that. That was a logical deduction, logical conclusion based on a presumption. And you were correct in how you said that. And I think the reason he said that, there was probably more evidence leading towards it being my unit than being my grandfather's. I actually don't even know what unit he was in. I have all that information. I just don't know it off the top of my head. Now, one of the things he did too, is I've mentioned before, when you're collecting information or you're developing patterns of life, any information's relevant until you deem otherwise. So he took notes on certain traits and things that I have done. For example, he mentioned current employment that I've done consulting, firearms training, podcast articles. Firearms training is true. There's a lot more training that I do, but most of what I do now is a podcast for fun and a lot of consulting. I won't be doing any training until next year. He also did a list of known associates, which the ones he could find for sure were basically guys that had been on YouTube shows with me, like David Robertson and Luke from Rush Creek Survival, and a couple of guys I used to do shows with a long time ago. Not that it would have helped you or that he may have done it is gone into things like my Facebook and seeing how many people regularly interact with the things that I do on Facebook. 
on the post on just my profile, not on the Gray Man Concepts page. Would have been another way to go. Are there people in the last year, because I don't have a lot of posts, that have a habit of commenting on there? And then if you can see their stuff, have I commented or liked it or whatever on any of theirs? Because when you have smaller doses of interaction with people regularly, comments or not, you probably tend to know those people when it comes to a profile. Now, granted, that's my old Facebook personal profile, but it's not like my my personal one. It's for the whole Shammer Grayman thing, but there are people on there I know, and that would have been a good list of known associates. That would have been impressive. He mentioned my dog's name. He mentioned college. He put Seattle, Des Moines, Washington security staff. Not sure where security staff come from, if that's something I'd said or is confusing. Uh, Des Moines is one of the suburbs, I guess you'd call it, of Seattle. I did live there before I joined the Army. I did go to college in Seattle. That would have been impressive if you could have figured out the college I went to, which could be done. He mentioned I was raised Protestant. That's a fair guess and is correct because I think I've mentioned that before. He even put in there that I drunk Miller Lite and then Three Olives brand vodka with a lime and soda. I actually don't drink that vodka all the time, but I do remember having it at one point on a show. That's probably all I could get at the time or I was trying it out. But when I do drink beers, there's a lot of different beers that I like, but lighter beers, usually that. But that's all useful information. Um, watch enough videos, you would have seen other brands too. Other things in the military, he put joined 1991 to 1994, 11 Bravo Infantry. Now, I'm not sure why he picked those starting dates. I have mentioned my retirement date before or the fact that I reached my 10-year recently on a podcast, but at least on David's channel, I mentioned I hit my 10-year retirement date. So that would have put me retiring in August of 2011. So if you worked backwards and you assumed a 20-year retirement, then that would make sense to pick an earlier time frame. However, I was medically retired before 20 years, so the start date isn't, isn't accurate. There are ways to find that out. If you'd have found my LinkedIn account, you would have found some more dates and information on there, although a lot of it's been scrubbed years ago. Uh, he put in 25th Infantry Division for Fort Benning. 25th Infantry Division is not in Fort Benning. They are in Hawaii, Fort Lewis, and then I, they also have a brigade, I believe, in Alaska because that, yeah, they moved there and they reflagged the unit back in, I think, 2006. Um, now he put in 10th Group for Fort Carson, then he put Operation Enduring Freeze in 2001. Uh, I didn't go to OEF. I was only in Iraq when I was with the military, which was a little bit later. Um, so I, and I mentioned in this stuff because I'm interested if he wants to, if Fairbane, you want to provide any of the reasons you came up with these conclusions, just so I can use those to help people out and you in the future. Put in Fort Campbell, Hopsonville, or Clarksford, Tennessee. For the 101st Airborne, Baghdad, Iraq, Victory Base Complex, Camp Striker, 0304. Wrong years for that deployment, but those bases are accurate. 0304 would have been... Now, 0304, I don't know if you mean OIF or if you mean the years, but whichever one it is, that's closer to my infantry time and working with the 10th group, whereas it was a little while later I was working military intelligence. And then he put in... Uh, 3rd Battalion of 187 Infantry Regiment. Um, yeah. No, it wasn't the 3rd Battalion. That's an infantry battalion. It was the, because uh, it's military intelligence, they put all the separate companies into one battalion called a Special Troops Battalion instead of assigning them underneath the infantry battalions. So 3rd Battalion by writing would indicate 
the infantry battalion, which I was not in. I was in what's called the special troops battalion, which is called third special troops battalion. So you're close. And then task force 626 in Mosul, Fab Endurance, Q West airfield. I have mentioned that in the past, but then he, he, and he did get the retirement date. So that was, that was some good stuff. And then going earlier, let's see what else we have. He put in known social media. Uh, he found an old Tumblr account I haven't used in years, so that was really good. He listed eight of the locations of the podcast. There are 20. Not that that matters, but there are 20 out there. I mean, Amazon plus their Audible, and there's several others. I think I actually listed, if you remember, I did roughly a six-month just before episode 50 in season two. It was in the late 40s. I went ahead and did the overview. And whether or not I said all the names in that podcast, I think I actually linked every single one of them in there for all 20 I had at the time. Or there might only be 18. I don't know if I had Amazon yet. So that was some good information. And then I'm going to go back here. I'm looking at the whiteboard. And he mentions what he knew at the time for my accounts. So one of the things, too, he mentions was nicknames. Uh, Three of the nicknames I had in the military, he mentioned them, one of which was Shammer. Bone Crusher, and then I think Turk or something. So one of the things about my email account that you guys can see is I am Shammer Proton Mail. He also found the I am Shammer Gmail because that's what I use for YouTube. What I will tell you is one of those other nicknames, if you were to cross-reference at least the one actual name that I've used, which he, which I'll explain how he found, if you were to cross-reference that with things with my nicknames, you very likely could have found one or more email accounts. Four of the email accounts are based on one of those other nicknames. It's only part of the title, but it would get you in the neighborhood. And you may have also found another social media account on the private side that's out there publicly. Just people don't know it's me. He did find one first name I've used, which is based on, I mentioned, I think it was the UFO thing I did with David, something I did with David Robertson. And it's because you go there and watch and based on what I type and I think I make at least one time oh yeah I mentioned this in the external I was purposely using one of my YouTube counts that shows a different email which you could have found through there very easily off YouTube and the name I had associated with it which is the name he found that he could have cross-referenced with one of the nicknames to find that information the point is to say this when you're finding somebody or hunting somebody or you're doing background research on the subject if you have more than one possible name or versions of a name or spelling of a name, and then you have nicknames and then you have email accounts, a lot of people use names, versions of their names. A lot of women will insert their middle name or maiden name instead of their married name if they want to rehide it, or sometimes they'll put them in reverse order. And then a lot of times you can find, you search all those while looking up, say a nickname or a known email, you may find other types of accounts. Even with the I am Shammer thing, one of the things I would have suggested you do is search the entire email in a search engine like Google and other search engines. Had you used that or found any of my other emails, you would have found other types of accounts. Like when I used to do photography and I was getting into it, you very easily could have found with the right email um, a website that's still out there that I had an account on, as well as probably old social media sites that don't exist anymore. Like MySpace is still out there. I don't think anybody uses it but you can actually find an account I used if you have the right email. Other things we have is these listed military bases on some of the states like Hawaii. I like Schofield Barracks. That's where I was. 
Um, let me see. Hobbies and interests. So he wrote some stuff down like music and audio. I think he's taking that from either statements I made or that one podcast I did about how to make a podcast to help somebody out. Um, written articles, prepping. There's ways to have found out more on that. It's useful information may help you down the road, but it's okay. You didn't find any more. He mentioned military history. I He mentioned one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different military bases in Iraq and Afghanistan and listed them as stationed. That might be a presumption or assumption he wanted to chase down. But realistically, I was only ever on one, two, three, one, two, three, four of those. Four of those I was actually on. The rest are places I had visited regularly. And one of them I never was at while I was in the military. And then let's see, what else does he got? Looking at these cities. I think with some of the states, he listed likely um, cities, if I didn't mention them. Like, I think I had mentioned Monterey, California, but like in Maryland, he put it in Baltimore. I don't think I said Baltimore, but that would be a logical conclusion, especially if you're thinking NSA. Idaho, he wrote down Boise and Idaho Falls and put slash YouTube. I must have mentioned those at some point, but those are places... One thing I know I mentioned those on was how much I liked Idaho Falls when I had visited it, when I was driving through, coming back to Arizona. It was a place I considered living, but I didn't live there. Montana, he mentions Billings. I probably mentioned Billings at some point. So Billings, Montana is where one of my grandfathers lived. And then uh, not that you can find him because the name's different. Even if you knew my real name, you wouldn't know who he is. And then some of these were places my sister had lived, which is possible. It with enough research, you could find out who my sister was and verify that information. It's just she's dead now. That's why I used her. And then uh, that's pretty much everything in there. And overall did quite well. He left open spaces for LinkedIn and Instagram. I actually have two different Instagram accounts and a LinkedIn account, which can be found. And then on his notes, one of the reasons... I don't know if this was the reason why, but when he picked Oracle, Arizona, he mentioned the Titan II base. It's actually, you can go tour that missile silo. If you've never toured a nuclear facility, that's even an old one. It's pretty cool. You should check it out. If you're ever in Arizona, you want something to do, do that. Um, let me see. He writes notes like I do. Some of them you can tell, you know, you print well, and then some of them are like chicken scratch. That's exactly how my notes look. And then let's see anything else. He mentioned a pattern recognition and he said DMR hint. So something David probably mentioned. He wrote platypus, polar bear, leopard, giraffe. I don't recall what that's referencing. Like it seems like something I would know, but he didn't do any hints that I'm aware of. He knew I was doing this, but him and Luke, nobody else provided any information to help anybody. They knew I was dropping enough hints on my own. And then let me see. Uh, Mentioning the, the sweatshirt again. So very well, very well done. I I think that was good. You put a lot of time into it and you did very well. And I think you used a lot of the techniques I've talked about and whatever you do on your own. I think with a little more time or direction, there's more information you would find. And there's definitely a lot of things in there that would be dead ends. They weren't designed as dead ends, but it's very unlikely you'd find the information. Like it's enough time and research, you know what you're doing. You could find my sister's name and verify some of those locations where she lived, but that would take a lot. It's unlikely that you would do that. I did know some of those, I did know people probably assumed I lived in all those states, especially if there's a military base there, but I didn't mention, all. I mean, I could have mentioned California if I wanted to, because I've trained there many times, but I chose to leave ones out like that. that had too many, too many options, too many military bases, too many possibilities. 
Some of them are purposely known that they're likely going to be dead ends, but they are helpful with enough research to cross-reference the information. I would have focused definitely more on what was the goal. The goal was emails or phone numbers. I said it in that order for a reason. It's a lot easier to find the emails from there. You possibly can find the phone numbers. Not hard to do. The other thing, too, that would be helpful is while I have multiple Gmail accounts, you found at least one and at least that one, but a couple others also have Google telephone numbers that you can find through searches that have names connected to them or the name that I'm using on that account. Not only could you have called those and left a message that would have been translated to me as a text and email, you would have found enough information on there to lead you down more paths to where more of these things that would have like spiderwebbed down like a family tree would have connected back in. It's just a question of how much of this you really know how to do, but it was done very well. And then our other winner, he just said, here was this whole thing. I'm sure tons of people have done the open source challenge. Turns out there were several people to contact me. I know we're doing it, but they didn't submit. He said, I personally set it out because I'm moving, starting a business and didn't really have much time over the past couple of months, but I did see your email and he lists it on the show notes, Proton Mail one. I liked the 9-11 podcast, so I figured out at least try. I hope you continue to do as I want to participate in one. I appreciate everything, et cetera, et cetera. Love the show. Great. Thank you. And this is what I wrote him because I hadn't checked my email yet. So this was partially incorrect because there was Fairfield submission. But he says, so funny story. Despite all the people that contacted me, nobody responded. I was sure somebody was going to follow my suggestion and do what you did, which was just to send the simple note. Send me a complete mailing address and I'll hook you up as you're officially the only winner. But there's actually two. I would be doing a much easier and simple one in the future. So before we get into other ones, just to follow up and point out some things to do. When you're cross-referencing the information, don't chase down one idea like an email and one idea like a location and look at those as two different things to research. Cross-reference them. So it's possible that if you took a state or a known city and searched an email, you may find something on the internet, just like if you were searching a phone number. The other thing too is had you found phone numbers, anybody found phone numbers, sometimes those can be isolated to locations because you can find landline numbers that actually in a listing will be there with my actual cell phone or previous cell phone numbers, which should give you locations. So one of the things you could have done is you could have taken a simple white pages search with just my first name and looked in any of those you were sure I'd lived in, like Schofield Barracks, Hawaii, except for it's not Schofield. They actually, the mailing address is the name of the town, whereas some of them, the mailing addresses are the military bases. But you could, you'll get a lot of results, but what you do when you scroll through there is look for anything like known or suggested age ranges that may make sense. If you find any information on there, there's all other places, you know, some you got to pay for like my life and, and tell us, but there's other ones that are really good that will go so far as to list possible known associates, which may have the same names, it may give you more than one last name, it may give you a last name that you see on several of them. You're like, I want to search this. So you take that first name you think you found that may be accurate with that last name and you start searching that against those locations and that's how your information starts narrowing it down point is to say that for fairfield he had enough information there that with enough time or a little guidance he could have actually found more specifics including phone numbers just like if you have that and you want to use like spokio you get more information which is the first name on white pages but if you have a suggested last name or even just the last name and not a first name and it's not too common you can start using like Spokio and, and just search and find locations to see if any of those kind of match. 
using that because you get addresses, you basically go to any map app or software, Google Maps, whatever, and you look up those addresses and you look what's in that proximity. So while depending on, say, a military base, people could live as much as an hour away, which is foolish, but some guys live 30, 45 minutes away. You could look at those names. You have a phone number. You find an address. You find out, wow, this is really close to the military base. What do you know about that base? And let's say it was 101st Airborne in uh, Tennessee or it was, say, Washington State, Fort Lewis, the two bases I've mentioned the most that I spent a lot of time at, which around Fort Lewis you could potentially found like six addresses. Then you could realize that this suggests highly likely that this is where it is or this is who the person is or this is who their address is. And from there you might even get simple images where you could have done, say, a Google search, for example, where it shows you an aerial image of that house or you could take in Google Maps or another map app something that shows a street view, and then you could have sent me pictures of those, which would have been cool. And then especially if you found where I live now, depending on the vehicles I've had in the past, because they actually update the photos here a lot, you may have found street shots and not overhead shots that showed a vehicle that you could get a very good description on, even though they don't typically show the license plates. So what I'm saying is there's a lot more to this, but most of it is about taking what information you have and cross-referencing it, cross-referencing it the way it makes sense what connections. So for example, what are connected to physical locations? Physical locations are going to have an address. Physical locations are very likely to have a phone number. Physical locations will have utility bills. Physical locations will have property records. Those are all worth searching when you're trying to find something. Even if you're finding somebody that rents, you can still get information on that location, even property records. Because if you find out the company or individual that owns the house that's likely renting it to the individual, then you might be able to search on them and find out, is it a specific company? Can you find anything like that? Can you talk to them? Could you call them and do a fake phone call and just say, hey, look, you know, nothing against your house. It's not too special, but I'm calling people in the area by looking up property records. Don't mean to be creepy, but I'm just interested to see if you're interested in selling your house. You know, and they, oh, well, I have somebody renting there. It's like, are they, are they a long-term runner or is this something else? And they go, well, they've lived here this long. That's information you can get. You just, you got to be careful with these types of phone calls. But I'm saying things like that can be done to find out information when you're looking for people. Now, when you're looking for people, there's things we know about people. At least in the United States, if you're looking for a person, they very likely have a phone, probably a mobile phone because most people do, but they'll have some sort of phone or they'll have a place they work that has a phone. And of course, the place they work, you follow all that stuff on the location one I mentioned. Other things that we know about them that can we connect to them. So for example, I had to have grown up somewhere. I was in the military. I definitely have been in there long enough to move more than one location. I definitely narrowed down places I had lived. Thing is, based on the timelines and whatever age you could identify at any of those times, you could actually lockdown timeframes based on my age, where I was places. You could also take places like, like the military bases, for example, while the 101st Airborne and the Roxons deployed a lot, if you narrow down close enough dates and timeframes to deployments, you can actually look them up online and find out when they deployed exactly to at least the month, if not the day. Also, they all have social media websites. Now, granted, it'd be a longer, farther back search, but there's always possibilities you find photos of people on their social media. You won't find ones of me but it's still worthwhile for other things in the future. It's the same way I mentioned if you to look through my profile for Shammer on Facebook and looked at what you'd narrow down as known associates. While for me, they don't exist. For most people, they will. One of the things you do is look at any pictures I have or any pictures they have, and you try to isolate are both of us have any pictures or 
Or is there something I mentioned? Like, is there a post somebody has like, oh, I had great fun this weekend doing this. And somebody's like, yeah, we had a great time. And you're like, oh, those two people were probably there together. And then you try to identify, are there photos of that? Or even if you found the person who made that comment had photos of the location, but your target's not in there, what can you find out of that photo? Is a verification of that location? Are there license plates on a vehicle? Are there anything special about that place or the time they were there where you could narrow that down? And that becomes more important when you're doing this as like a cop or a private investigator trying to narrow down patterns of life, patterns of movement where people have been. If you want to get more detailed things you can do, like people have seen my dog, they know the name of my dog, what dogs need, dogs need doctors, they're called veterinarians, how many veterinary places are there, assuming you can find the location where I'm at. Not that you can go to those veterinarians and get information on my dog, but there's things you can find out like that. Like if I'd ever mentioned boarding my dog, which I've mentioned specifically, I do not do. But had I done that, if you knew the location or suspected location, how many boarding facilities are there? And then it, had I ever mentioned when I take my dog to the vet or how recently I did it or the next time I'm going or when I ever boarded, information I typically don't provide, but another person may. So whether it's a dog or another subject, then you can use those as possible locations where you might be able to surveil the individual if you're looking for them. Other things that could have been done. So one of the things he mentioned on there was that I had, in some videos, smoked like Camel cigarettes. I drank Miller Lite, very common, but I'd also drank three olives vodka. One of the things about alcohol, unless it's a really, really common brand, like say Jim Bean or, or Jack Daniels or like Smirnoff, Things like three albums are somewhat common, but not all that common. And if you're, say, in a physical area, while a lot of places will sell alcohol, even though that was old, one thing you could do is visit all the places in a town that sell alcohol and go around and look and see how many people actually carry that brand. If you knew the town I lived in and you picked a reasonable distance, a person would be able to drive or want to drive to, say, pick up alcohol, and you're presuming they didn't, say, pick it up on Phoenix or Tucson on their way home, which would be unlikely, you could narrow down the possible locations of where somebody buys something. And then you just keep that note to the side because if you ever see anything else that might be a little less common that they're drinking or consuming that would be sold at these establishments, you could then cross-reference those again. And you may find that you may find seven places out of, say, 25 that sold three olives vodka. And then you find a very specific obscure cigarette or another type of less common alcohol and of those seven places that sold three albums, maybe only five of them sell this new piece of information. Now you've narrowed it down to five. Again, may not be something that's too likely to be used, but it's definitely more information that can help you out. And especially if there was a pattern of more than one time where let's say that's all I drank, then that would give a higher degree of likelihood that's a place I visit. Now you take that same idea and apply it to any other thing a person uses that has to be bought regularly. Now, I've openly admitted I don't give too many specifics, and sometimes I outright lie or at least color it up by making, a, say, a, broad, a little bit broader of a date range. Going back to the military stuff, one of the things that can be done, which he may have done, but one of the things you could do using that is militaries have deployed. I've mentioned being deployed and being in certain units, wore a sweatshirt, et cetera, et cetera. One of the things you can look at is in this indication, he had enough information to suggest I probably was a rocket on. He can actually look up that specific brigade and you can do it through news reports. There's also military public records as well as websites and figured out roughly every time they've deployed and where they've went. And through that, you may have found out that while you picked a certain time frame for, say, that unit, you may find that their location doesn't match with the locations I've been. But then you find a different date range and go, oh, the Rakasans were actually at Fob Striker in this time frame. And that's more likely when he was there. 
And then if that conflicts with something else you think you haven't proven, then you go back to that other idea of like, say, when I was deployed, where that stuff might have happened. And there's a lot of information there depending on, you know, how much stuff you want to go into, but where you can narrow down or find things where I've specifically said on more than one occasion, but maybe not altogether, when I was at other locations in Iraq, what years they were and what units I was with, and they may have helped you narrow it down and go, yes, so this conclusion on the rock stunts was incorrect. My new assessment looks more correct because once I use that to challenge my old information, I found more specifics that make this all line up. Now, why am I saying all this? Well, it's mainly so that you can start by looking up your own stuff. Look up the stuff you know that you didn't know about me. Look up your name. Go to either, one thing to do is go get, especially in this country, get your free credit report. And you'll find on your credit report sometimes that there's various spellings of your name and you don't know why. It's probably because, especially if you're probably older than 30, there's times that you went to a store and wherever and hand printed filled out or told somebody how to fill out a credit application for a credit card. Sometimes we write illegibly. People make a wrong guess on a letter. Sometimes they type it in wrong and we don't verify it, but it stays on your credit report. That's important information. How they have it spelled, whether or not a letter's wrong, whether or not it's this, whether it's a partial name or a full middle name, however they put that in each entry, you want to search that full entry and don't modify it. And you want to see what results you come up with and you actually be surprised what you find. Then when you're looking that stuff up, you'll find information on yourself like My Life, White Pages, Intellius, all these other places. Don't pay for any of them. Just find the stuff that's out there for free and see what's connected to it. Find out how much stuff they have because you may find that some of these sites, what they'll show you is they'll show you your name and they'll say variations or aliases of you and you'll actually find a lot of those are cross-referenced based on your credit report. That'll give you an idea how much information out there gets shared publicly. It's not that... When you did, you know, it's not like Equifax is sharing that information. It's more like whoever you applied for, say, a credit card or a loan through sold that information at some point. But it shows you what's out there. When you're doing that, you want to go back and also look up any phone number you've ever used. That's the other reason why I picked phone numbers. You'll find more information on phone numbers than you will on emails. Emails will tend to narrow you down to social media accounts, which is good, possibly Job application websites or places like LinkedIn, which can be good information if somebody uses a lot or puts a huge resume on there. The other thing is they'll narrow you down to possible accounts that people use that aren't necessarily social media, but you'll get more hard, solid data off a phone number because phone numbers are typically tied to locations. There's going to be a registered address to it. The other thing you can find out too is like if somebody has a phone number, you'll find that there's certain people that change their phone numbers every time they move. And there's some people that keep a phone number forever. Like I have multiple phone numbers I still use, but I have one phone with a specific area code that's meant for certain people to contact me because at the time they thought long distance still existed or it did that I keep in regular use versus other ones I use for friends, other ones I use for certain family members, other ones I use for work. So there's lots of options out there, but You'll get more hard data and stuff, finding out what's out there with your name and a phone number than you were with an email. Email is just going to send you to other locations, and then you can look at those other locations. You may find, for example, like I mentioned MySpace, you have an old MySpace account, and you got a lot of personal information because you're younger, you didn't know any better. Oh, my God, my account's still there. Well, if you can find that, go try to get back on there, and if you're not going to use it, just delete the whole thing. Delete your account completely and get it out of there. Now that information will still be archived, and there's a way to look up archived info, which you should learn how to do, but it's to at least get it off there for the regular everyday person that doesn't know how to find that info. 
Now, while you don't necessarily have that on your target, you have on yourself all this information. You found different variations of your names, different phone numbers. Even if you know better, I would still cross-reference both of those in a search and then emails and start mixing those up. I wouldn't throw in your phone number with an email necessarily, but I mean, you can. It's definitely something you should look at, but first go with the name and the email and you start to find other things. Like you might find an email. I know for sure this email is this person and I know for sure this is their name, but then this email is on another website and there's a different name attached to it. If you're positive on their name and you're positive on that email is connected through many things and that older one is probably still them using a different name and all you got to do is look at that different name and say, is that some variation of their name? Is it sound like a nickname or is it just some random combination of things or is it connected to somebody they know like it's the maiden name of their wife for example especially if it's older whatever that is that account name and their new name they've used to it you want to search those too because you may find older information because some people have done that just like some of the people i found in this country they find they have somewhat of a unique say name on their account or email or that or they match and you know say it's like something like rmy66 at gmail, right? I just made that up. Then you search that because you find out that people tend to use those same emails a lot, but when they have those unique names, they tend to use those a lot. So many people do that. And if you know that you've done that, you want to search all those, you'll probably find things you forgot you even did. The whole purpose of this was to help you get to this point now where you can have some ideas and better ways to find information on yourself. Through that, you can find out what's out there. A lot of the stuff you can have taken down, like in Spokio or images off Google, a lot of it you cannot without paying somebody that knows how to do it. But a lot of you can get taken down. It tells you what information is out there that people can find on you. But it also shows you how easily you can find information on people if you have a good starting point. Because once you look up your own stuff and then you start cross-referencing it and finding new things, it gets in your mind through practical exercise how you can use that information and cross-reference stuff to see if it goes anywhere to find stuff on people. Another thing too to mention is if you find this type of information, especially if you find unique account names and or unique email addresses that match and you're doing this, when you use, say, something like Google, but on any search engine, you also want to go to the shopping section and do that same search. Here's why. A lot of times those are connected to accounts where maybe you don't see those links in the first few pages of your search engine, but you go to shopping, they're going to pop up right away if they have something like, say, an eBay account or an Etsy account, or another type of site where they've set up an account where they sell a product or a service. That's why you want to go to shopping because it just narrows it down right away. Now, going back to the images of a location that might show in a vehicle, one of the things you can do, say if you'd found one of my residences that's had multiple vehicles I've used in the last 10 years, one thing you can do is try to figure out when exactly they did those photos. But let's say you narrowed down a person's lived somewhere for 10 years, and you've also narrowed down that 10-year period, you found a photos based on updated images of three different vehicles or five different vehicles. If you get a good description of that vehicle, there are ways you can search for that and look it up to identify that person's name to that vehicle because they may have had tickets, you know, may have gone to court, may have done a lot of things. And court searches tend to be easy depending on the state, but they usually have some sort of free court search. Now, granted, there's so many you can do just by writing a letter or shoving in person, but like, in Arizona and some other states, there are certain court levels that have a complete free search that'll show minor crimes. Like they tend not to show either felonies or definitely not crimes with children, but they'll show other things where people have gone to court. So it won't be because they got a traffic ticket, but if they got a traffic ticket, they send them to court. And then you can narrow down based on the locations or what you know about their name to say, yeah, this is probably them. And they're, they'll show some historical 
information on court, like the dates they went, what it was for, when it was open, when it was closed, perhaps if there was a judgment. But based on that, you may be able to narrow down information or locations that make more sense. So if they went to court for a speeding ticket, say twice and within two years, and it was matches a vehicle that you think it was them and you definitely know it's their name. And let's say it's in their town or, you know, close by if they live in a bunch of suburbs that matches the dates and time frames, and you can be like, yes, I have more information. This is them. I've narrowed this down. I'm finding more additional information to validate and confirm that this is in fact their location, very likely them and matches the vehicle description that I've isolated based on an image search that I found of the addresses of which they lived. So anyway, that's probably enough. That was probably a lot of information. So we'll keep this simpler. So from this point forward, we're gonna start the next contest right away. First, I wanna let you know, cause I'm packing up, moving, I'm doing all this stuff and I have plans for all this. Might be a slow response time, but this is real easy to do. And this is how we're gonna make it happen. When you go into the show notes of any episode I've done, including this one, the first thing you see is whatever description I've written for the episode. After that, it says in this episode, and in there I either list off the subjects we talk about, perhaps I put links to articles or links to products I've used, but there's something there. After that, there's a statement that talks about sending me a voice message. What that statement reads is send me an audio question and has a link that shows Anchor FM, Gray Man, and Message. Now, I haven't checked every podcast app you guys are using, but I checked like the top four or five, and it immediately opened up the window within the app in order to send a voice message. You've heard in the past where I've started a show with somebody's voice message, like Johnny out in San Francisco, or some of the other guys, and they've asked me a question, and then I've answered it for the show. So to order to enter this, this is what you have to do. One, you have to send me a voice question that is something that pertains to what we talk about on this show, which by now should be very clear. Number two, it needs to be a question that requires me, based on your question, to dedicate the episode to it. So if you send me a question and I go, oh yeah, here's the answer to that question. And then I move on into the show and I'm talking about completely something different. That's not going to count. Send me the audio question. That audio question needs to be something I dedicate the whole show to, which I'll be sure and tell you, yes, you're going to be one of the winners. What are you going to win? I'm going to take, I'm going to tell you how to contact me because that's through Anchor. And make sure we have the right individual because some people try to skate by. I'm going to give your information to Jim over at PI Magazine, and you're going to get a free one-year, I believe it's a one-year subscription to PI Magazine, where you'll get his trade journal for PI Magazine, and that's going to give you a free subscription to it for those that are interested. That's going to be our new challenge. That's going to get people involved. That's going to get me to answer the questions you want to answer, and that motivates you to go ahead, and as I said, a bit of courage, to leave me a voice message. And you got to remember, I'm putting your voice message on the show, so ask me a voice message. I'm going to answer it as a whole show will be the requirement. I will tell you we're winner. I'll clarify information with you to get it to Jim and he's going to give you a subscription to PI Magazine. Once that is completed, which we'll probably move on to after the holidays, maybe beforehand, we'll do at least two other things that I'll make simpler like this. One will be for a gift certificate to Jim's store that you connect to through the PI Magazine, which I believe is a $100 gift certificate in order to purchase some of the products. The other one I'll be doing is for the third bag of goodies because I'm giving out two for this challenge. So those will be later. But this one, the first 10 people that leave me a voice message asking a question, 
that a question that's pertinent to what we talk about on Gray Man Hiding in Plain Sight, and that I take the entire episode to answer your subject. If you want an example of that, you can go back and listen to the one where we talked about gang stalking, where Johnny from San Francisco left me a message about gang stalking, and I dedicated the whole show to gang stalking about you know, whether or not it's real, how to approach it in either manner. That's a good example of one that I dedicate the whole show to. Or I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but I was asked information about the stuff I use and getting a good sound, and I created the podcast about podcast, answer the question, talking about the gear I use and what I do. Another good example, not the only ones out there. There have been others. Can you enter more than once? No, just enter once because you're not going to win two free one-year subscriptions. So it's going to be 10 separate winners. Leave me a voice memo. You have 60 seconds. It will cut off at 60 seconds. So you can always run a timer and practice your question. The question needs to be something that makes sense for this show. All you got to do, if you're not sure, look at the description of the show on whatever episode, whatever podcast platform you're using. Scroll down through the last 150 or so episodes and look at the titles of things I've talked about. And then if I pick your question and I answer it and focus on it for the whole show, you'll be a winner and I will definitely tell you the winner. And then I will have you contact me and we'll verify exactly who you are. And I'll get that information to Jim over at PI Magazine and you'll get one of the free one-year subscriptions to PI Magazine. Now, I know I said a lot of information today and maybe I said some of it fast and maybe you have to listen to it more than once. But if you have any questions about that, please send it to me. You know, if you're going to do it for the contest, make sure it's a good enough question that I only want to answer that question on the show. But you can definitely send me emails. You can send me the voice memos at any time. You can also contact me on any of the social media down below in the show notes. And you definitely can go check out the Intel training page where I throw a few posts up a week for people that are there just to see what's going on. And then whatever the monthly subscription is now, you can go on there and subscribe and get all the information I put out through the week that is only available for subscribers. That being said, one point I want to make out too is when I start traveling at some point, I'll be telling people and reminding them that there'll be a delay in some of the things I respond to because while I will still put out regular podcasts, what I will be doing is sitting down and recording probably more than one at a time, maybe up to two weeks worth. I'll be scheduling them for release based on when I'm out of the net. So just understand that I'll be looking for responses and responding to them. It just may not be as quick as they have in the past because I may end up somewhere where I schedule things to be posted on social media and have the podcast out there, but I'm actually in the middle of nowhere for two weeks And then when I come back to civilization and connect to the internet, I'll be sitting there for two days addressing everything and probably recording future podcasts and doing podcasts on the Intel trading page to answer all those questions. So that's just to let you know the time will come and I will definitely let you know when it is that what you should expect and probably by the beginning of the year at the latest, what you should be expecting is that when you ask me questions and send me info, it could be up to a couple of weeks before I respond. It just depends on the timing. If you like this episode, don't forget us a like, share, heart, whatever your platform is using, and make sure you let people know you think will enjoy this material. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're at. And don't forget to check out the show notes and check out dmrpublications.com. And we will be back again shortly with more information right here on Grayman, Hiding in Plain Sight.